Thank you for tuning in for the Push Through Podcast. I'm your host, Keisha Reeves. I'm a licensed professional counselor here in Atlanta, Georgia, with a private practice where I specialize in maternal mental health as well as women. With the podcast, we'll be talking all things womanhood, motherhood, and a few things sprinkled in in between. So sit back, relax, and enjoy a quick chat with me. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Push Through Podcast. I realized that I did not give you guys an episode last week. I know that today, I'm recording this on Wednesday, um, the episode where I interviewed Amber Aaron just posted and um, due to me not giving you an episode I wanted to do a bonus episode for this week to kind of make up for that. And then I thought that it would also be a great opportunity for us to catch up because um, all of these interviews have been posted. I haven't really talked about what I have going on or what life is like. So I wanted to take a minute to just chat for a little bit before the show carries on. So um, the first thing that I did want to say um, to kind of explain why there wasn't a show last week, work has been busy to say the least. I know that I said that a good bit um, not not too long ago, but um, it's just been like busy, y'all. And I think that the reason why it has been extra busier than typical is because I try to set real boundaries with my time. Um, I have a set schedule of when I have someone that comes and helps watch the children while I work. And whenever she leaves, then I am full on mom mode and can't really answer emails or be on the phone or um, be on my computer just because the kids are so busy. And I have like a schedule I like to keep them to just to make my life easier. So I know what to expect. They know what to expect. Um, So usually I, from two to seven on most days, I'm kind of like glued to my children. And then once Ellis goes to bed at seven, Ezra's kind of like occupied doing his own thing in his room, then I can free up and I'm able to do some work, billing, whatever the case may be, have a client appointment or, or whatever. Um, and I'll usually work from seven until like 11, sometimes 10. And then on certain days, like usually on like Friday nights, I try to like not work at all after seven. Um, sometimes depending on what the week is, I may see like a seven o'clock client, but it just kind of depends. And then on the weekends, I try not to work at all, like nothing. Um, but, um, With all of that being said, I had like a huge project that I had been working on. Um, I think I've mentioned before that I'm on the Georgia chapter board for Postpartum Support International, and we hosted our first annual Black Maternal Mental Health Summit, and it was on Saturday, February 27th, and it was huge, and it was great. It was a great turnout. And so there was a lot of preparation, a lot of planning for that. We didn't start planning, planning for it really until like late October. Um, And things didn't really go into grind mode until within the new year. So like when January hit, we were meeting every week, really trying to pull everything together. I was in charge of the speakers, um, recruiting and finding speakers. And then I was also a speaker myself and I was also the first person that had their own presentation. And my presentation was on perinatal mood and anxiety disorders for black mothers. And it was great. I loved doing it. It was my first time doing something like that virtually, especially for that large amount of a crowd. So I will say that I was a little nervous at first because typically I'll do a training like that in person um, so it was just different doing it virtually because, you know, you can't, you have to engage a little bit differently than you would if you were to have people in front of you and you can talk with them and interact with them versus it's via Zoom and there's like a chat. 
So that was different, but it was executed and I've gotten some really great feedback. So I'm so happy and and it has me on a momentum where I want to do more trainings or educational presentations like that for black mothers to really move the cause and the mission and just help black mothers across the country. Um, So there is a YouTube channel for our Georgia chapter where the entire summit video was recorded. So I'm going to put a link of that in the show notes for today for anyone who was not able to attend but is interested in it. Um, There were other breakout sessions on advocacy within your community, how to advocate for yourself with your primary um, providers, um, with yourself within your community or within your home with any of your support systems, your partners, just how to speak for what it is that you need or whatever it is that you feel. Plus, there was also a breakout session on breaking the stigma um, with mental health or with being able to see a provider, just getting the help that you need as a black mother. And then there was a really great one on engaging black fathers, how fathers can be more involved, how can they can look out for signs and symptoms, um, how to have their voices heard. Um, and then there was a great one towards the end on self-care and um, kind of breaking the whole idea of black women are just strong as I don't know what and not giving themselves the space to receive the help they need and different self-care techniques that they can implement and how to be more consistent with it. And then um, there was a panel that was done and the panel had two survivors, um, one of which had a uh, postpartum um, preeclampsia and the other one was a survivor of postpartum depression. And then there was Dr. Natalie Hernandez, who does a lot of great research for Morehouse School of Medicine that was talking about her recent research on black mothers, as well as Dr. Pfeiffer, who spoke on birth trauma and resources that can be utilized in order to treat that. And then Shanisha Boswell of Black Moms Blog, who talked about community support and black mothers being able to uplift one another. And along the whole day, there was different um, raffles and um, giveaways. They were actually really good giveaways. Like even the tote bag, which I'm so fortunate that I got one, um, was amazing. It was beautiful. And it was just a really, really great day. It felt so rewarding. Our host was Maria Moore from, she's a radio DJ, if you don't already know. And she's also a mother here in Atlanta, Georgia. She was super great. It was just great vibes all around. The chat room was lit. People were engaging one another. There was someone that was all the way in Saudi Arabia, someone that was there from um, South Africa. Like it was literally international. And it was a huge, huge turnout for our first one. And it was definitely got the momentum going for myself. And I just felt so grateful to have been a part of it, especially Um, to be able to present. So, but I say that to say that was a huge thing (laughs) that was on my plate that um, took up a good bit of of my bandwidth. And um, now things are starting to settle out more. And even today, I said, I'm going to record this podcast and I'm going to knock out a good chunk of work that I have to do so that the rest of the week I can kind of just coast into the weekend and really enjoy my weekend. Um, so I'll probably be up kind of late tonight because tomorrow I think I only, I think I just have one client tomorrow. So that works out. But moving on to my next thing, um, I wanted to tell you about a couple of shows that I've been watching. So it's so ironic because I'm a therapist, as you know, and I help people in anything that they come into their sessions with, processing things if they deal with any type of trauma, any anxiety, any difficult life challenges, any grief. You know, 2020, even rolling into 2021 has been a really difficult year for several people. And mental health has definitely been something that is on the forefront of several people's minds. Even so much so, I think I mentioned in a past episode where insurance companies have waived co-pays from June 2020 all the way 
or was it even before June? All the way until um, January 31st of 2021, where anyone who had their insurance, preferably I know of factually, Aetna and Blue Cross Blue Shield, could be able to go and see their therapist at no cost. That's how prevalent mental health was because people were in their homes and they were isolated or just whatever the family dynamics were within their household or financial difficulties. I thought that was an amazing. I actually think that the waiver should continue, but you know, whatever. (laughs) Um, So with all of that said, you would think that when I am off of work, I would probably watch Living Single, Martin, um, I remember, I think I, I told you guys when I was, after I had Ezra, I like watched Frasier the entire series <laughs> right after I gave birth to him. Cause I would just be up all night with him and on, what was it like TV land or Hallmark Frasier would be on. And I literally watched the series from start to finish over the course of months of me being up with him in the middle of the night. And those are just those shows where you could just get lost. I know my favorite Martin episode And please, I'm going to post this episode tomorrow and I'm going to put on Instagram, what is your favorite Martin episode? My favorite Martin episode is when him and Gina went on that vacation that he won off the back of a cereal box and there was this rodent. I don't know what it was, a rat or a possum or whatever. And he is just like beating this thing up in their villa or whatever you want to call it. And just going on in that episode cracks me up every time I watch it. But those are the shows that I can watch and literally like mentally check out and debrief and de-stress. However, (laughs) I am someone who has an undergrad degree in psychology and a graduate degree in psychology. So the mind and the way that people work is fascinating to me. I was telling my brother the other day how when I was single and after undergrad, I would go to work and come home and I could literally binge watch the show Intervention on A&E. And I remember, I think it used to be a new episode every Monday night. I would always watch it. Like I would be rooting for them, waiting for the end of the episode to see if they had relapsed or, or if they were able to stay sober for so long. And just, I don't know, it's just things like that just really captivate me. Um, just understanding people, understanding the root of how they became to be where they are and the why and the what. And say all of that to say, I have been an overload of documentaries. And um, the first documentary I watched was Britney Spears. Um, This is like documentaries as of recent. So I watched a Britney Spears one. If you haven't seen it, it's on Hulu. And I remember watching or reading on social media about the hashtag Free Britney. And when I would read little articles about it here and there, I saw that there was a huge fan base that felt like Britney was being held against her will due to the fact that her father has conservatorship, if I said that right, um, or conservatorship, maybe it's conservatorship, over her um, due to her not being mentally capable of managing her finances on her own. And um, people had just been questioning how she presents or things that she says on social media as if they're trying to maintain her social media account, but she's being told what to say and how to act. And they even show like some of the examples of that on the documentary where you could tell that she looked like she was reading like a prompter or like a, a some cards. But it was also hard to decipher because I think that Brittany and also maybe her like her camp has in so many words, I don't know if they just like blatantly said it, but in so many words have admitted that she does suffer from a mental illness. And Brittany has not said that she wants to be in control of her own finances herself, but she has said that she wants someone else other than her father to be in control of them. And in the documentary, you kind of follow her from her childhood up until adulthood. And they really break things down from when we saw her when she had shaved her head and she had took that umbrella and started 
hitting that SUV that was a paparazzi and there was all of these tabloids saying Britney had lost her mind, Kevin Federline had broken up with her, she's gone crazy and it was kind of like a tailspin and um, how she was able to bounce back and then she fell off again and with the documentary it really humanized her because you know sometimes with celebrities society can put them on this pedestal and make them appear as if they're these superhuman people. Like even with Beyonce, with the beehive, people can look at her as like, oh my gosh, it is Beyonce or, or it is Bay Day or um, the church of Beyonce, you know, but at the end of the day, she is just a human being who's dealing with marital issues, who has father issues, who you know, has a sister who felt like she was in her shadow, who has a mother who's bouncing back from a divorce and who cannot just go to Walmart like a normal person could and has dealt with miscarriages and trying to conceive and motherhood, like all of these normal things. And people often forget that these celebrities are not dolls or people who are not like us you know, day-to-day people, that they are human beings that just so happen to have a talent and are in the limelight. And how I really sympathized for Britney when they really broke down the timeline was that she, you know, had this portrayal of this good girl and then she turned into a woman and she wanted to embrace her sexuality and she wanted to do what she wanted to do and not be pigeonholed into this box of being this Disney kid and not everybody in the public eye was in agreement with that and something that I've always appreciated about Rihanna was Rihanna has always said I am not your role model I am not Taylor Swift I am not you know these cookie cutter kids I am who I am she had a whole album called good girl gone bad and I I think that that's great and I don't again with people putting celebrities on a pedestal, the thing about music or being an artist is the freedom of expression and being able to have it as an art form and do with it as you please. And people were really hard on Britney. So that was already one thing. Then she had this relationship with Justin Timberlake, who it didn't work out. He said she cheated on him and kind of ousted her when she had had this kind of, um, I don't know what you call it, but she deemed herself as a virgin until she got married. And that was something that she didn't disclose to other people that she had been having sex with him, who was her boyfriend. But he kind of like shared that information with the world on a radio interview. And then people came for her, but based off of what he said, and he kind of just laughed it off, which he has since made an apology via Instagram um, with her in... Um, her and Janet Jackson, he apologized to, which please also, that's another one in addition to Martin, comment and let me know what you think about his apology because I felt like his apology was definitely subpar. And especially it's like those, oh, two for one, while I'm apologizing for Britney, let me just throw in Janet Jackson too for um, throwing her under the bus with the Super Bowl. But um, so she had that whole thing to deal with. And then, you know, she meets meets Kevin Federline and they have this whirlwind whirlwind romance. They remember he was coming from that relationship. I can't think of that girl's name, but the girl that was on Moesha. And he already had two kids from her. He kind of just left her in the night, got with Brittany. They were on the road. They got married. She immediately got pregnant. She had two kids within the same year. And then he decided he didn't want to be in the relationship anymore. He divorced her, filed for sole custody of the children. And the documentary didn't specifically say what she was diagnosed with, but did allude to the fact that she was suffering from postpartum depression. And what it appeared to be was, and this is this is me giving the disclaimer of that she is not my client. I do not have any type of clinical notes to disclose, nor if I did, would I disclose this per, you know, publicly. This is just me making an honest assumption about what I'm assuming um, based off of how she was acting, what they said. What it appeared to be was she possibly had an underlying diagnosis of bipolar disorder that had never surfaced um, until she had given birth to two kids back to back, which is a lot, especially someone who's in that type of spotlight 
where you are carrying the entire family on your payroll, you have all of this pressure about your body, then your your partner leaves you and then files for sole custody of your children and deems you incapable of taking care of them. Remember that episode when I went over perinatal mood and anxiety disorders and how at-risk factors can set you up? Um, In that moment, it seemed like that triggered this underlying diagnosis of bipolar disorder. Had she would have had a trigger any other way, had she not been pregnant, had she not had had all of those things happen at once, possibly, possibly not, possibly it was always there. You know, it's hard to tell, but that definitely escalated it. And you have the paparazzi constantly in your face, taking pictures of you, invading your privacy. You can't even mourn or go through the process of trying to fight for your children in private. And she had enough. Um, so I say all of that to say, I recommend it, um, because it really kind of like paints a picture of how isolating, how sad it is to be a celebrity to that type of level and what we must kind of evaluate as members of our society with voyeurism and just like watching people. Um, I think the shade room is amazing. Uh, where it's like this community and people can look at these memes and and they can laugh. Um, And I think like other things on social media or other like outlets, um, Us Magazine and um, Entertainment Tonight. But at the same time, there is a piece of it where people get off on watching uh, people who are deemed as celebrities suffer. You know, if they have a breakup or if they have some sort of domestic violence or if they, you know, or have some sort of altercation and it's caught on camera because people recorded it with their phone in the club, you know, just the mess and people like get off on it and comment on it and, and, and say you're the donkey of the day or whatnot. It really does like make you take a moment again to recognize the fact that these people are just human beings and they're just figuring it out like all of us. It's just that they're in the spotlight and we kind of just stand around and watch it. Um, but that's my rant. So that was the Britney Spears one. Um, the other one that I have been watching is the Woody Allen one. Um, that one is on HBO Max, which HBO Max has been like giving life right now because, um, the little things with Denzel Washington came out on there. Um, Judas and the Black Messiah came out on there and they've been doing like a lot of release in theaters also released on HBO Max, you know, since people aren't really like going to the theaters right now. At least I'm not. Um, So the Woody Allen one is really interesting because I am a, or have been, um, a film connoisseur. Like love film, love the art of film. And Woody Allen films were never anything that I was just like, oh my gosh, this new Woody Allen film is out. I've always thought that his films were kind of wordy full of a lot of dialogue. I thought he was overrated. People would always just like deem him as this film genius. And I I never really got it. You know, when I think of New York or if I think of someone who has dry humor, um, I would find more entertainment from a, a Larry David film or show than I would from a Woody Allen. That's just my personal opinion. But What I never understood was how it was blatant that Woody Allen married his adopted daughter, which if you don't know this and you don't know who the person is that I'm talking about, look it up. Um, He was married to an actress called Mia Farrow. Did they get married? Or were they just long-term girlfriend and boyfriend? I think they might've, did they get married? They might've just been partners, but they had a child together, biological child, and they adopted a child together, Dylan Farrell. And they had um, Satchel Farrell together. Yeah, I don't think they got married. Um, But so I was always aware because all of this kind of came out in 1993 that he married his his adopted daughter, which was Mia's daughter whom she adopted, Sunyi. And That was just something I was always aware of, but never understood why Hollywood put him on this pedestal um, of still wanting to be in his films and still giving him all of these accolades when he literally 
was in this child's life as a father figure for when she was as young as 10 years old, I think, and then started having a sexual relationship with her at 17 and to later marry her. I just thought that that was just very, I didn't understand it. And in the documentary, they go more into what I didn't know um, of him molesting his youngest daughter that he adopted, Dylan Farrell, and the court case, everything that went into it, and what it kind of meant to be a white man with money, um, and how people just ignored everything that he did, and he continued to make so much money despite a lot of horrible things he was doing. So I've been watching that. That's a four or five part series. Um, something that I'm excited about that's coming out is the Tina Turner documentary. I don't know if I've ever shared this with you guys, but Tina Turner is like, ugh, impeccable. Um, my mother and her can watch, my mother and I can watch What's Love Got to Do With It. Like we've never watched that movie and we can watch it over and over and over again and, and cry like we ain't seen it a thousand times. Um, love that movie. Love Angel Bassett. Love Lawrence Fishburne. Played the hell out of those roles. Um, but the documentary is coming out and it is going to be on HBO Max and it comes out March 27th. So I'm super, super excited because um, unlike the movie in real life, there was a lot of things that were um, changed, um, such as Tina had a child prior to meeting Ike. Um, Tina was dating a band member prior to her dating Ike. So it wasn't like, you know, he got her in the band and then they had a relationship. He got her into the band and then I think it was her and the drummer started a relationship. And I think they had a child and then they didn't work out. And then she got with Ike. And um, I think that was the only prominent one, but she said it was a while before her and him had a romantic relationship because she had always looked at him as a sibling. But as far as the domestic violence, all of that rang true and happened the way that it happened. Um, But I'm just really excited to see it because there's a lot of parallels between her and my mother with being raised in the country, um, being abandoned by their mothers, um, having been in abusive relationships. And I've also read Tina Turner's um, bio. She has two books, autobiographies. And her most recent one was how she had cancer, which my mother's had cancer too, um, and being able to find treatment for it and needing to have um, an organ because of her cancer. And um, her husband ended up donating his. So that's coming out. Um, But another documentary that I watched that is on Hulu. No, no, it's not on Hulu. HBO Max. Um, is on the personality test documentary. And this one, um, a friend of mine told me about it, so I checked it out. And it was basically off of the Myers-Briggs. And it was somewhat interesting, but kind of like, uh, eh, makes sense. Um, But to make a long story short, basically it was about how the Myers-Briggs aren't based off of any type of psychologist like Sigmund Freud or Carl Hunk. But it was based from this um, mother-daughter Um, who had no psychological background at all, but just the mother said, oh, I want to start a personality test. Let me test this out on my daughter. Let's do a couple of studies. And bam, there was Myers-Briggs. And so much of us in the world have been exposed to it, learned it in college, had to take personality tests in order to get certain jobs. And the documentary kind of raises the, um, I guess, the challenge of what validity does this personality test actually have and does it pose any type of discriminatory um, factors to it as well. So it was interesting in that regard. Um, So moving on from documentary, um, movies that I've recently watched, um, Billie Holiday, I'm so happy for Andra Day. I was fortunate enough to be able to see her live in concert When she came to Atlanta in 20, was that 2015, 2016, I saw her live. It might have been 2016. Um, Yeah, I think it was 2016. So I saw her perform in Atlanta. Um, I can't even remember the place it was. 
Um, and her voice was like impeccable. And um, so it's so good. And she and I are the same age. So good to be able to see her in this role because she played it so well from her mannerisms to her talk to even how she sang her voice. And I love Billie Holiday. I remember in undergrad and the guy that I was dating, um, his mother was in the military and we were on the military base at, I forget, was it the exchange? We're at the exchange and that's like this store that they have on the base where you can get things at a discount. I think it's non-taxed versus what you would purchase outside of base. And she um, said, oh, Keisha, go get you something. I'll pay for it. And I had found a Billie Holiday best of CD. So I got that and um, listened to it on repeat and just love her music. And her story is so heart-wrenching. Again, you know, me and just loving learning people, knowing about people. And um, just all of the trauma that she experienced, all of the things that she went through in her song, Strange Fruit and... Um, even like watching that off of the hills of Judas and the Black Messiah of how like the government is just so all in our world and, you know, trying to hinder us. Um, it was a great, great film. I highly recommend it. And kudos to Andra um, for her award. Um, we watched Coming to America 2 last Friday and I know a lot of people said that they were really disappointed in it, but I wasn't. I don't know if I'm like few people who feel that way. Um, but you tell me, what did you think? Did you like it or did you not like it? I went into it not expecting it to be like the first. I felt the first was a classic, hands down. Even like thinking about when it came out, what the context of the film was, what that meant to black people at that time that it came out. You know, that was a groundbreaking film. And it was hilarious. And him and Arsenio Hall was such a duo in that movie. It was just, it was so, so good. I even remember watching Buster Rhymes' video where my eyes can't see. That came out in like middle school, I think. And how he was kind of um, doing a, on his, on the video for that movie, he was doing a play on Coming to America. And I thought that, that video was just like so, so cool. But what I appreciated about Coming to America 2 was how it felt like a reunion. Like it was like seeing everybody from back then. Like, oh my gosh, it's Louis Anderson. And like, oh my gosh, um, it's Fancy from the Jamie Foxx show. We get to see her again. Um, just like seeing everybody come back. Like it was so, even the twins that they had went on that date with, it was so cool. Um, I thought the costumes were great. I didn't think that the writing level was comparable to the original, um, but I wasn't mad at it. I still thought for what it was, it was was really good. And I actually sat back after I watched it and just felt like Eddie Murphy is a legend. Like when you think of his whole catalog of films, like all of these trilogies and franchises he's a part of Beverly Hills Cop 48 Hours um Golden Child Shrek The Clumps um Daddy Daycare Dr. Doolittle um gosh I could I love Norbit Norbit's one of my favorites he is just like just the fact that he can go from one character to another character to another character I just and when when the group from Sexy Chocolate came out, died laughing. I, my favorite characters are the men in the barbershop. Loved it. I thought it was great. Um, but that was just me. A show that I did watch and complete, which was a surprise binge, is a show called Love Life. It's on HBO Max. And it is supposed to be a romantic anthology. So each season kind of is like a how I met your mother type of concept. Each season is the start of it. You meet the main character and the fact that they are on the search for the one or who's going to be the person that they spend the rest of their life with. And each episode is their dating escapades in them as they're trying to get to the one. And the last episode is 
they meet the one and this is the person that they spend the rest of their life with. So I love the concept. Um, and the first season was really good. And it's only like 30, 40 minute episodes. I thought the cast was very diverse. I thought it was funny. I felt like it was a better, more realistic version of a Sex in a City meets Girls. Because um, when you think about Sex in a City and Girls, neither of them had any black or people of color characters. And there were several concepts in both series that were not realistic. Because um, I always used to say, like, how does Carrie make that much money to be able to stay in that apartment and buy all of those name brand clothes writing a single com- column in a newspaper? I just, I didn't get it. Um, and then again, it, it, neither show was very diverse. Whereas this this series is very diverse. Um, and it's really good. So I highly recommend it. The next thing I wanted to talk to you about is I watched the Megan Markle interview on Sunday. I was looking forward to it for weeks. As soon as Oprah had her her um, commercial advertising it, I was like, oh yes, I am there. I'm setting an alarm in my clock. Um, I love Oprah. I remember when she left daytime television and I was sad because I was like, oh gosh, I'll never have my opportunity of being interviewed by Oprah one day. <laughs> And then she came out with the old network and she's on 60 Minutes. So I was like, oh, great. I, I have a shot somehow, some way. <laughs> and I'm, I'm putting that into the universe that this will happen. Um, but I, I am not into the royals. I've heard several people say, you know, they remember when Princess Diana got married or um, they're just like really into that and they watch the crown and all that stuff. And I'm not into it, not not really interested. Um, but I became a little bit more interested when Megan um, came, and then especially when Megan and Harry decided to depart. That's when it piqued my interest, and I was like, "Huh, look at this." <laughs> um, so I was definitely here to support her and to listen to everything that she had to say and empathize with her. And just felt horrible that that was her experience. You know, she met this wonderful man who she fell in love with and she gave up her career and left her family and her friends to move to another country to be with him and to take on his way of life, to not be welcome and to be faced with discrimination and racism on a day-to-day basis to the point where she became suicidal and it affected her mental health. And fortunately, with the support of her husband and his love for her, he chose to tell her, you know, this isn't, this isn't it, let's go. And I think that that's so amazing how he, he lived this life. He grew up in this life, but he could see what it was doing to the person that he loves and to his family. And I also can't imagine what that must have been like for him when these are all the people that you've always known and this is their their grandchild, this is their nephew, and they do not give an F-U-C-K about your child's well-being. They don't want to offer your child any type of security. They're worried about the, the pigmentation of your child and all of that. And it's horrible. And I feel like he has been looked at, both of them, as a hero I think of her as a hero for calling it out, for speaking her truth, um, for being able to do what she needed to do. And I think he's a hero for not easily saying, you know, let's get divorced. I could easily just get with a white woman and live my life. But for him to stand up against what was wrong and wanting to do something that's right and support his wife and his family and get to an area that is safe for them. I applaud him for that. I think that is remarkable because oftentimes people who can have it easier or who have the privilege cannot say anything and can sit in silence and watch all of this unjust happen, um, but say like, no, this isn't right. It also reminded me of, I don't know if you guys ever saw this movie, um, but The Loving Story. I remember when the Loving Stories documentary first came out on HBO. I think it was like 2011, 2012. I was living off of Camp Creek in an apartment. I remember where I saw it. (laughs) 
Um, but it was a beautiful documentary and it was Loving versus Virginia. It was an interracial couple, black woman, white man, who were going to court because being in an interracial marriage was illegal in the United States. And they could not freely be together without being incarcerated. And they were a couple that were raised in the country. They were neighbors. They grew up together. So they really weren't in the day-to-day world of, you know, Jim Crow and, and whatnot. Like they were aware of it, like obviously of the oppression of black people, the privilege of white people, but they were on farms and they were kind of far removed from exactly what that felt like on a day-to-day basis. And they were trying to um, go out in the city, you know, move. And the the police wasn't having it. And if anything, of course, they treated his wife worse because she was the black person of the relationship. And she was the one who had to sit in jail, whereas as soon as he was arrested, he was released. And she was treated horribly throughout it. And so easily her husband could have said, this ain't going to work out. Let me get me a white woman and just live an easier life than this difficulty. But he never did. And he never stopped fighting for them. And it was the wife who ended up calling or returning the call of an attorney who said that he would take their case pro bono because, of course, it was going to give him a lot of publicity but the attorney did see the unjust of it all and they ended up winning and they lived a happy life, you know, ever after. He did die not long after. I think it was like five years after um, they ruled in their favor. But it was a beautiful, beautiful story. And it ended up being a film maybe like uh, five years ago. Beautiful film. Great casting because they look just like the people. Um but they reminded me of Harry and Meghan, very much so. If you haven't watched that, definitely check that out. Um, but I love the interview. I love how he spoke up for her. I loved how him and Oprah talked about mental health and how both of them are working on a documentary on mental health for Apple TV. I'm definitely looking out for that. I love how they've come up with this production company. I even love how randomly they were like, yeah, Tyler Perry had called us and said we can stay at his house. And I was like, Tyler Perry? <laughs> um, but, you know, my mom was like, one thing about Tyler, I tell you, he, he will do for people. Like, he is he is a good person. And, and I agree. He he does. He He's an amazing man. And that is so wonderful. He was able to support and help them in that process. And what I do hate about all of this was I don't know if you guys ever watched Real Housewives of New York, but Bethany Frankel, um, or even um, Megan, what is her last name? Whatever that Megan is that's on um, that was on that Fox News show. So both of them are tweeting about Meghan Markle. Um, was her name Megan? I feel like her name was Megan, the news reporter. Anyway, so they were both tweeting about her saying like, woe is me. Oh, a, a pretty princess or a subpar actress, you know, has it so hard in the kingdom. And I just hated that. Even the whole Pierce Morgan thing. And I'm so glad that he is unemployed after the whole fiasco because it was just like, these are the people who are feeding into the problem. And is making this an issue. And versus them just shutting up, listening to what this woman had to say, listening to her story, learning from it, and then doing something about it on your part in ways that you can within your own network, they decided to get on a platform and critique and tear down this woman. And she is vulnerable enough to talk about how this affected her mental health, how this affected her postpartum experience, and how she didn't want to live anymore because of it. And this was a day-to-day struggle for her. I just think they're horrible people for doing something like that. No one deserves that type of scrutiny. And it says so much about them and their character and their privilege. Um, but kudos to Megan. And I just wish her and Harry the best. I support her. And I wish nothing but good things to the both of them. Um, the last thing that I did want to talk about was my birthday is coming up. <laughs> um, 
my birthday's coming up and I'm excited about it. So, um, I did not celebrate my birthday last year. Uh, I had my baby seven days before my birthday and this was in the midst of lockdown. And I kind of looked at it as my birthday gift was giving birth to a new child. So I didn't do anything. I didn't go anywhere. Um, I did have wonderful friends that treated me with sending me lunch or sending me flowers, a gift card, um, or dropping things off. So I was definitely blessed. Uh, but I didn't like really like celebrate it. Um, but this year I really wanted to do something big and celebratory for myself because I feel like I feel like I've accomplished a good bit within this year and I'm really proud of myself and I wanted to just take a pause to celebrate myself. Um, after I gave birth to Ellis, I have told you that my postpartum experience was significantly better than what it was with Ezra. But with that, um, I wanted to take my perinatal mental health certification exam and I briefly was able to study for it before I gave birth to him but it was hard because Ezra school had closed he was at home I was in my last trimester I was uncomfortable I was wrapping up stuff with clients nesting trying to prepare so I couldn't focus as much but after I had him I had the goal of you know if I'm going to be in this maternal mental health realm I want to have the highest education certification that is possible to deem myself as an expert so I can not only talk the talk but I can walk the walk too you know I have the credentials to back it up um so while I had him and I had Ezra and I was at home whenever I could find pockets of time I was studying for it you know on postcards and this test was not cheap it was a $500 exam I did not want to have to take it over again and within two months I sat for it and I passed on the first try. And that was huge for me. And my goal was to have opened the group practice last year. But I decided to step back because I didn't want to put more on my plate that I couldn't do. And I hate saying that I'll do something and not being able to do it. So I had pushed it back to January. Um, so I you know, had some consultations with other people who've had group practices. And I did a lot of planning, business planning. And I was able to open it. Um, she got started. And now I've gotten her to a place where she's doing very well and has gotten established. And I'm really proud of that. And I was really worried because the goal was to have the office open up in June, which doesn't look like that's going to happen because we're still in Corona. And um, the office may not open until late fall or possibly early January 2022, but that's okay. And I thought without having an office that that may hinder um, the ability to maintain. But with telehealth, I'm so blessed because I do realize that a lot of people have struggled with the pandemic, um, with having jobs and sustainability. So I do realize my privilege in being able to have good work and being able to flourish in this time. So I'm so grateful for that. And I want to celebrate that because that that's a big deal of being able to take on an employee and then be in the midst of hiring a second one and onboarding her um, within like the first three to four months of the year of, of it opening. And I'm, I'm proud of myself for that and just happy that I've been able to juggle. And that doesn't that doesn't take away any fact that there's been some sacrifices like I I've had the 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 reality of it being a pandemic, so I haven't been able to see people. I have legitimate friends who have not seen my newest baby, like have not seen him at all. <laughs> I have family members that have not seen this child. Um, this child has not, you know, eaten out at a restaurant. This child has seen a limited amount of people. Um, and then in some instances where I could have been able to leave the house, have not been able to because of the work of being able to build what I'm trying to create and being able to stay up late or juggle the kids and then put them to bed and do all the logistics and um, work on trademark, work on branding and all of that. And then 
Um, I've also had like push through boxes that I had put on the hiatus. They had sold out prior to me going on maternity leave and I didn't touch it, didn't bother with it all throughout the rest of 2020. Um, now I've restocked, got the inventory, have shirts that are about to come out. Um, so that's getting ready to relaunch as well. And um, also being just grateful about this podcast. Um, sometimes I'll feel like, is anybody watching? Is anybody even listening to this? And then um, what was really, really cool was my nanny. I can't remember if I told you this. And if she's watching, hi. Um, she was leaving the house one day. And she had told me, um, oh my gosh, I listened to your podcast. No, granted, I've never told her that I have this podcast or that I do this. And she said, yeah, a friend of a friend of a friend sent this to me and was like, hey, listen to this episode. And I was like, oh my gosh, I know this person. And that was just like mind blowing. And I don't ever look at the stats often um, because I don't want to get like discouraged or anything. But in looking at the stats, like weekly, I have a loyal audience that listens to the show. And there's a loyal, pretty good group of people that are in this world, (laughs) um, in this country, outside of this country, that listen week to week and the numbers continue to grow. And I'm so grateful for that. And even having had the opportunities of interviewing all the women that I've had and some that I don't even personally know, but I've just reached out to that I just admire, you know, having to have Aura on the show or having had the opportunity of interviewing Amber on the show. And that's just been like amazing. And the the line of people that are upcoming to be on the show, the connections, having been able to play a large part in creating the, the summit with the team that we had. And having had those people be a part of it and all of those people register and people around the world to have been able to be a part of that was huge. So I don't really celebrate myself often. I don't, you know, like that much of attention too much. (laughs) I am a background person. Um, I wanted to do something for my birthday. Um, So I am. And I'll tell you about it a little later. But with that, I wanted to do um, 37 days leading up to my big day. And I started that on March 1st. And within those 37 days, it's me focusing on my wellness, focusing on me being grounded, exercise, being in the best health that I can be, um, cooking, just really walking into this new year of life in a great mindset, great health condition. And not that I have any health issues at all. I consider myself as a pretty healthy person. I eat pretty clean. Um, But just all around. I bought Alex L's journal. It's a self-discovery journal. I'll put a link of it in the bio. Um, So I've been doing that. Um, I have the insight timer meditation that I do. Um, I go for four mile runs three to four times a week. And I've gotten vaccinated. Um, So I go to the gym during low peak hours with my mask on and gloves on (laughs) Um, to do weight training. Um, I started increasing my clean eating where I've eliminated dairy out of my diet, no sugar, no candy, no caffeine, um, and no alcohol. So mostly what I eat is, (laughs) my mom would say, Um, all you eat are like nuts and chickpeas, (laughs) but that's not true. No, no. Um, cause tomorrow I bought Aisha Curry's cooking book, cookbook. Highly recommend. She has some great recipes in it. Um, but like yesterday I cooked a scallop, um, pasta and the pasta was with chickpea pasta, scallops, um, and spinach, bell peppers, And Aisha's Jamaican, so there was a lot of Jamaican seasoning, like jerk seasoning in it. It was very flavorful, spicy, and it was really good. And it was healthy. And you couldn't taste any different. And like instead of doing Alfredo sauce, using coconut milk, because I'm not doing dairy. um, Dairy just does not agree with my entire body. It doesn't agree with my acne. Um, It doesn't agree with my digestion. 
It's highly inflammatory. It makes me bloated. It makes my face bloated. Um, it's mucusy. It just doesn't do well. So even if I want something cheese-like, I just do vegan cheese. I drink oat milk. Um, and I do coconut milk for most of my meals that require some sort of milk. And that has done well. I do probiotics every single day. I drink water only. Um, if I want something flavorful, I put lemon juice in my water. Um, I don't drink sodas. I don't drink juice. And I feel it. My skin is clear. It is um, dewy. It's glowing. Um, I feel good. I rest good. My body feels good. And I feel like I'm on my way into really like having this wellness and groundedness a day-to-day lifestyle um, because I'm on my 37 days of making this a part of my life Um, because I have a bad sugar candy addiction. Sugar addiction is real and that that is my downfall, Um, but I haven't had any. So that's been really good. And then on the 29th of March, my husband and I are going to do a five-mile run around Stowe Mountain and then do a two-mile hike up and down the mountain and then treat ourselves by going to Nana's chicken and waffles. <laughs> but um, I just feel good. At first, when I thought about my birthday, I, I can't help you know, but be honest that I had some trepidation because I'm getting closer and closer to 40. Um, and it was just like, oh my gosh, I'm about to be 40. There's all these things that I wanted to do. Um, you know, I said I wanted to have like a rental property and I said I wanted to have had my doctorates by this time and and I wanted to be able to just like have this type of financial goal and and I wanted to have had three offices by then. And I'm not I'm not there, but it's not to say that I won't be there. And it's not to even say that there's anything wrong with being 40. If anything, I feel like I'm going to float into 40. Because I'm going to be so grounded and I'm going to have all of these these seeds that I've been planting bloom at 40 and gracefully walk into 40. Like I finally arrived into embracing it. Um, I've been really taking care of myself. I go to my esthetician biweekly, if not once a month. Um, I get treatments to take care of my aging. I've been eating healthy. I've been exercising I've been meditating, I've been journaling, I've been monitoring my mood and my energy so that I can just enjoy life, enjoy my family, enjoy my kids, enjoy my friends, my support, and really, really be grateful for the life that I live because I am so blessed and I'm so happy to be able to do the work that I do. And I'm so happy to be able to have the opportunity of coming into a new year Because being a therapist, y'all, I can see the grief that people have been going through. 2020 was hard. And I know a lot of people lost a lot of people. And life is so short. And I can't be like, oh my God, I'm getting old. Or, oh my God, this. But all I can just be like is thank you for giving me another day. Thank you for giving me another year. Thank you for giving me my life. So I'm so grateful. Um, And I'll tell you about my birthday when we have another catch up to let you know how I celebrate it and what I do and how I walk into it. Um, Yeah, I'm excited. But that's my life updates. I've been talking for 57 minutes. (laughs) I'm going to um, end this episode on a song that I am loving right now. Um, and I have asked you questions throughout this episode. I want you to email me your thoughts, your comments, your questions, Keisha at KeishaReeves.com. If you're not following me already on Instagram, why aren't you? At Push Through Mom, that's at Push T-H-R-U Mom, or hop onto our website at PushThroughMom.com. We have some, we, I have some events. <laughs> that are going to be rolling out soon, um, as well as merchandise that is hitting the website in a short time. Um, and thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to me every week. Thank you so much for supporting me. Thank you for being a part of this community. Um, thank you for 
being a building block and for me making my dreams come true. And until next time, y'all, keep pushing. Trying my sobriety lately, my sober on chauffeur, she driving me crazy. I do this for us, don't you lie to me, baby. They've been denying me, baby. Society trying my sobriety lately, my chauffeur on sober, she driving me crazy. I do this for us, don't you lie to me, baby. I do anything for the loves of my life, yeah. My mother, brother, my baby, daughter, and wife, yeah. I do anything for the loves of my life, yeah. My mother, brothers, my baby, daughter, and wife Ten more, ten more miles in the snow Tank on E, but I'm still on go Always on road, but it feel like home Boys want ball, but they injury prone Can't play me when I'm really the coach Mass contract for me and my folk Fuck it, I'ma do the most Fuck it, I'ma do the most Ten more, ten more miles in the snow Tank on E, but I'm still on go Always on road, but it feel like home Boys want ball, but